Hey guys, brand new podcast. Uh, they're coming nonstop. We're just going to put out as much as we can until you guys go, all right, buddy, pump your brakes. I got a new Bill Burt this week. I got a new Two Bears, One Cave this week. I got Gabby Reese. I released yesterday. Tyler Florence is today. You already know that. You've already clicked it. I'll give him an intro in a second. I got a new Hot Ones that just came out. It's on YouTube under First We Feast uh, with Sean Evans. We did a quarantine edition where they sent me the sauces. They sent me the wings. I then loaded up my own wings, which was a huge mistake. And, uh, and it's airing right now. Halston just watched it. He liked it. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm trying to put out as much content for free as possible. Obviously, my special, Hey Big Boy, is streaming right now on Netflix. Go check it out. Enjoy it. When this gets done, we will be touring a new hour. When this gets done. Jesus. Uh, oh, tomorrow night, I have a live Zoom with 500 participants that we are doing happy hour for at 5 o'clock Pacific Coast time, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. This will be the first time I drank in 39 days. I drank, I didn't drink when I got here off of the tour bus that Sunday for a whole week and then some. And then I drank with Rogan when I did his podcast. And then I haven't drank since. So in 40 days, I've had two Buffalo Traces. It sits right there. No sponsor reads. This is just a good uh, free content uh, podcast for you. Uh, and that's it. Yeah, check out First We Feast. Check out uh, the released I mean, next week, big podcast. We've got Guy Fieri, um, someone else. I forget who else we have. Anyway, this week's podcast is I've been watching a lot of Food Network, a lot of Food Network, and I've been watching the uh, great the great food truck race. I don't know if you've seen the great food truck race, but I got obsessed with Tyler Florence. I know Tyler from Tyler's Ultimate Food 911. He's a Scripps guy, so I'd see him at Scripps events when I worked at Travel Channel. And I am I love, I, I got to tell you, man, I don't work at Travel Channel. I, I know Scripps is kind of broken up. I think they're all owned by Discovery now. But God damn it, I love the content they're producing on DIY and on food and cooking. Not a big HGTV fan, although I watch the um, Property Brothers. I'm watching their new show, uh, Celebrity IOU. I'm watching it with the girls. Man, you really very quickly see that Brad Pitt is worth every cent they pay him. Brad Pitt, Melissa McCarthy, and Celebrity IOU is... I should get the Property Brothers on here. Um, Jonathan Drew. I know those guys. I know a lot of... See, I know a lot of these guys from doing upfronts and doing um, events when I worked at Travel Channel, but I never really got to speak to them much. Uh, and so it's really nice that they've all seen the special that they all wanted to come on the podcast and they were cool enough to talk to me for an hour. Tyler had exactly one hour. So, uh, we got him in and out, but, uh, we got guy coming up and then I'd take anyone, man, those barnyard builders. I take the main cabin builders, anyone that's been on living off the grid. I'm obsessed with that content right now. I'm also obsessed with, uh, operation Odessa. I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix. Operation Odessa is out of this world. And I've been talking about that guy, Tarzan, for years. I've been talking about that guy, Tarzan, for probably 30 years. Because I knew about that because that's all coming from Florida. And I think, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get Tarzan on here. I would love that. should reach out. Yeah, I would like to have Tarzan. It's a good call. I'm going to reach out and see if I can get Tarzan. Hang on one second. I'm going to do it right now. Oh, hang on one second. It's my manager. Hey, Reg, 
Have you seen Operation Odessa on Netflix? No. Okay, can you please see if we can get Tarzan on the podcast? Okay. Okay? Uh, let me call, let me hang on one second. I'm doing a read for Tyler Florence. He's this week's episode on the Burkcast, and then I'll hop on the phone with you, okay? Give me one oh, sec. Just give me one sec. All right, cool. Okay. Um, I guess he hung up. All right, cool. Anyway, uh, I'm a big fan of Tyler Florence. I'm a big fan of all the Food Network guys. I've been a fan of the Food Network as long as I've been with Leanne, that's when I started watching Food Network. Just to give you a little backstory, um, I lost a ton of weight when I met Leanne. I was 186 pounds. And what my rhythm would be is I'd have dinner early, I'd start drinking beers, and then I'd call it a night. I'd take a beer down to bed with me, and I'd start watching Food Network. And I got so interested in Food Network, I learned how to cook through Food Network. I think we talk about that a little on here. We talk about my my shift was learning to love Emerald. I didn't get Emerald's uh, angle at first. I, I didn't understand it. And then one night I did. And once I got Emerald, I got everyone. And I fell in love with everyone on that network. And that was part of the reasons, one of the many reasons I worked at Travel Channel. Obviously, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't like through the roof about a roller coaster show initially because I just took the meetings. I wanted to meet uh, the company that did man versus food. I'm a big food show guy. And so when I found out that they're all related, Food Network, HTTV, DIY, Cooking Channel, Travel Channel, Great American Country, I was kind of through the roof. And I remember going to the first event, meeting Ann Burrell and being like, oh my God, it's Ann Burrell. And she was awesome. She was every bit of Ann Burrell you wanted her to be. Meeting Rachel Ray, meeting Giada, meeting Bobby, meeting guy. We, we talk about that, but meeting Tyler as well is I'd see these guys and I would lose my shit and I could never contain myself to be cool around them. And so I never became friends with them, never really met them just other than a hello. And man, it's such a pleasure. I, I think I tell the story in here. Halston, I do tell the story uh, of being at that upfront in New York, right? I tell it, I know I tell it, I tell it uh, to guy. I probably tell it twice. It was a very pivotal moment in my career. And I will just simply say that it means more to me than you'll ever know that, A, you guys listen to this podcast, that you care, that you buy tickets to come see me. But the fact that I, that you guys kind of shepherded me back on the right path. When I got, when I fell off that waterfall and you guys were like, hey man, we don't like your travel channel show. We just like your podcast and your stand up. Just do specials and just do podcasts to be, to know that I'm on the right path right now and that I'm doing the right thing and that I'm going in the right direction as opposed to the story you'll hear where I kind of was lost and I didn't know what I was doing and I realized I was sitting in the wrong seat. It's a great feeling. It's a really, really great feeling. So like I said, we're doubling down on podcasts. We're doubling down on content. And when stand-up starts, motherfuckers, I am saying goodbye to my family in California and I'm living on the fucking road. Living on the fucking road. I am... When I get out on the road, you have no idea. I will be producing a blog every single day. I will be doing everything I can on the road. I will be going in and doing radio. I will be doing every, I will be doing Tough Mudders, Spartan races. I can't wait till they lift this fucking quarantine. But until that time, I'll be just doubling down on podcasts like this one. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him from Food 911. You know him from uh, Tyler's, Tyler's Ultimate. His new truck, The Great Food Truck Race, his new show, The Great Food Truck Race, is right now airing on Food Network. He is a chef. Uh, we talk about that in the podcast, about his falling in love with food before it was like uh, 
cool to fall in love with food when you just wanted to be a chef. He's a restaurateur. He has, I think, nine cookbooks. He's an all-around awesome dude, and we have a great interview. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you stay safe. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great pleasure to introduce to you Tyler Florence. This is Hey, congrats on uh, the new show. Uh, I'm, I just watched, binge watched it the other day. The I have so many fucking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, man. Hey, big boy. How are you, man? Ah, I'm great. <laughs> so I, I want to talk. I want to. I want to talk about. I really want to talk because I feel like you're one of the OGs when it comes to the Food Network. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like you, you were a person. This is going to sound disrespectful. And by the way, if it sounds disrespectful to you listening, <laughs> it's because you think it's disrespectful to you. I'm not talking about you. All right. But, I, but I'm, I'm talking to the person listening. You were someone who decided to be a chef and then found television as opposed to the other way around, correct? You know, n no disrespect taken because that was absolutely the path forward, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm 49 years old this year. And I started cooking way before the Food Network was ever a thing, man. See, and that's and look, I, no disrespect to those people who found. I, I know lots of them. Uh, uh, guys, I love Eddie Eddie Wong. Eddie Wang yeah. uh, is a guy who restaurant wanted to be a comic restaurateur, kind of wrote a book and and like got into TV. I don't think he really ever loved TV. I think it was like something that was forced on him. But you're old school in that, like your passion is food first. It always has been. I mean, everything else has fallen into my lap over my career, and I'm so incredibly grateful for it. I had a long conference call with Food Network today talking about what the hell we're doing in the middle of this pandemic. Um, but I've been on television with Food Network for 24 years now, man. That 24 is, that is, years, bro. So, so who did you who were you who was your starting who was your starting class? Starting class, it was it was me, Bobby Flay, Emeril Lagasse, Sarah Moulton, Ming Tsai. Ming uh, was my Aiken. fucking man. I used to watch. Do you see? Okay, so twenty years ago, probably tw maybe yeah, maybe twenty years ago, I I I went on this weight loss journey where I was like, I'm gonna lose weight. I was maybe I was probably lighter than I am now. And every night, it's when I discover the Food Network. Every night, I would watch whatever was on. Like I would watch. I, and by the way, I was like a snob comic. I'd watch Emma Lagasse, and I was like, yeah. I don't, I didn't get it. Like I was like, he's, he's a brand. Like I didn't, I didn't see it. And then all of a sudden, one day, just the bam! I just was like, it made me giggle. And I went, oh, okay. And I slowed down, and I fell in love with all you guys. I mean, all you guys were my, like it was my introduction technically to, to the Food Network, but more importantly to this company, Scripps, who I, I guess was, you know, running that from day one. Yeah, yeah, and and we were in the same family for a while when you were on travel, man. So yeah. you know that that whole big group, like the table's really big. There's something for everybody. When you hop on the Food Network, you're gonna find somebody on there you're gonna gravitate towards. All different kinds of cooking styles, um, all kinds of different personalities, and and so there's you know in the kitchen stuff, there's competition stuff, there's there's always been something for everybody, and it's and it's just gotten better over the years, and that's what I love about it, right? And and so you know for you jumping in that. For from a, 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 a enthusiastic standpoint, especially with like your YouTube series, right? Like when you're in the kitchen, oh. you're cooking, bro, like you're doing that. And, and what I'm watching is I'm watching you 
do the food network thing, but you watch it so many times that you feel so comfortable doing that because like you're so incredibly passionate about food. Right. And why not, man? Like, why not get in the kitchen and like, like have a good time, yuck it up, burn some shit, make a joke, have some friends over. Yeah. Cause that's what we do anyway, man. Like we, we, not everything turns out great. And we always just kind of, I always like to say, if it comes out a little rare, you call it carpaccio and you keep on fucking going. You know what I mean? And, and, and so that's, what's so fun about watching you in the kitchen cooking too, man, because the enthusiasm has to be there. And I can tell, I can tell a lot of ways, bro, but I can tell you really love to cook, right? I love it. You guys introduced yeah. it. You guys really taught me how to cook because I would watch you guys and I would learn little tiny things. And then I'd try, I'd try at night or the next night to try things. And I, like I said, I, I always had a, this crazy respect for Ming because he was so mild mannered. He, I, by the way, I don't mean disrespect when I say this, but like he definitely did not belong on TV. He was just a guy who loved cooking, very passionate about his culture very passionate about sharing it. And that's why he was good on TV is because he was passionate. Every single one of you showed up to that network fucking passionate. It wasn't yeah. about, it wasn't about, by the way, you, these people that when I say these things, they'll know who I'm talking about. It wasn't about finding a cool pair of glasses to make sure people knew you were passionate because you were the guy with the glasses. It was just <laughs> being in love with food. It's just about cooking, man. And 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 this is the difference, I I think, in a lot of ways, because there's so many different shows on right now, right? Between yeah. you know, Top Chef and Chopped and and so the, the idea of being a celebrity chef, like the bar has kind of dropped a little bit. And honestly, there, there's not one of my colleagues on a professional level or you know, chefs that I bump into who haven't been on national television for at least five minutes, right? So everybody kind of walks away from that situation going like, where's my cappuccino? Where's my agent? Where's my book deal? But I'm telling you, if you can walk up to a counter of mise en place out dishes and not have a recipe in front of you and not even know where the hell you're going to go and be able to riff on all those ingredients and to be able to make a spectacular meal off the top of your head, like that's the, that's the, the repertoire of like what I call the salad bar of ingredients, right? I can walk up to a, a, a counter of stuff, ice cold, not even know what the hell the recipe is, just a bunch of ingredients and riff and make something spectacular. Like you, you, like we plan the whole thing the whole time along. And that's just practice and experience. And that's travel, that's cooking, that's tasting, that's having that, that, um, that introspective of, of where the thing came from in the first place and be able to tell great stories. And I got to tell you, and that's why I love you as a comic, man, because like nobody tells stories better than you, bro. Like nobody, man. Like I, I just, <laughs> I just watched Hey Big Boy again uh, for the third time, like last night. Oh, I shut up. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm serious, but I, I just like, like you, cause you, it's not like you tell jokes. You're just like, you're not going to fucking believe what happened to me, man. And like, cause life is so interesting in the first place. Right. And so, so when you're, when you're really good at it, you don't even really think about it, right? Like we do a lot of preparation for a lot of production. We write a, we write a lot of recipes. I've written 16 cookbooks. We're push, producing a, another one this year, some somehow, some way, sometime. I don't know. Um, but uh, but you always kind of get better at it. You always kind of sharpen yourselves, right? And and for people to just step into that in a way and go, okay, I used to be a country music singer, and now I'm on television cooking. Like as, as interesting as it seems for a season or two, they're going to run out of gas eventually just because they don't really have the terroir of all the ingredients, right? Yeah. They're going to make mama's biscuits and they're going to make this like down home country, whatever it is. And it's all great. It's all fun. But like you, you, you you're going to have a hard time getting past season three and season four, right? 
right? And yeah. and that's that's the thing about it. So um, I'm I'm lucky to have been uh, with Food Network as long as I have. Love them to death, and love how everything is starting to grow. As a matter of fact, they're launching a um, a limited series with Amy Schumer coming up um, in the next couple of weeks, which is going to be really kind of fun. You should call them too, bro. Uh, you should call them. Uh, I, I, I think you might be kind of interesting on the food network too, man, because you're definitely taking some chances, man. But, um, but it's been a wild ride and, uh, and I, I love every bit of it. I love where we're going. I love where we've been. Um, well, but, talk, yeah. let's talk about, let's talk yeah. about, I want to talk about like, I want to start from, I would love to kind of track if we have, I know I got you for like an hour. I got you for 53 more minutes. Yeah. But, um, I w- I'm curious about growing up in South Carolina, about going, about kind of discuss like just being like like what kind of kid you were in high school and college, what like how you discovered food. I want to talk about travel and food because I, I did travel for a, a bunch, and then I want to talk. I'm really curious about what it was like to be one of those first people to pave the path of celebrity chef, of pave the path of. So these are the these are the trappings you will do, when, like to the people now that are learning about like finding food as a passion. And I, and I don't think that just because you want to mesh up as a young chef, you want to get on TV. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But like, oh, definitely you, you, not. You, definitely. you guys, you guys were a class of of a, a legit a class like a freshman class of chefs that paved a way of like, hey man, you got. I remember I remember having conversations with. All of you at different times about like you gotta you gotta open a open a restaurant, uh, start to do a cookbook. You gotta you know, it, it, and I'm kind of curious because you also have taken the path of like do your own show and then host a show, and then it's really in really fascinating. But how? So you grew up in South Carolina? Yeah, yeah. I I grew up in a small town called Greenville, which is in like the northwestern part of the state, and now it's actually the tech capital of the state. Like BMW North America is there. Um, there's lots of like heavy, you know, global industry that comes out of Greenville. Very interesting place. Um, and right now, um, um, some really dynamic Southern restaurants are coming out of Greenville. And then I went to uh, went to college in Charleston. I went to culinary school. What kind of high school kid were you? Were you like, uh, you, I mean, you're what? you're gorgeous, dude. Like captain of the football. I mean, like you're 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 television attractive. Well, well, well. F- thank you. Not, not not so bad looking yourself there, bro. But like, but the th- but here's like. I, um, um, I, I was kind of a different kid, man. You know, I, I loved like, you know, like British grunge, you know, rock and, and everywhere between like the clash and, uh, you know, a new order and stuff like that. Like the, the, I used to, I was a skate rat. I had like crazy long hair, looked at the flock of seagulls back in like the mid eighties, man. And like wore torn clothes. And like, I, I, I was, I was popular, but I was kind of popular in like the, the, the outcast set. It was, you know, it, 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 it were king of the outsets, right. Or they, the, the misfits, right. And smoke then cigarettes? I, uh, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Like clove <laughs> cigarettes. Yeah. Smoke clove pot. cigarettes were the shit. Yeah, man. It was the thing. Very edgy, right? Listen to Cure, write poetry. Oh, you know, dude, to this day, if you play Love Cats, I, I'm standing up and I'm going to dance. <laughs> I'm going to dance, bro. I'm going to dance. It was just the best. So I, I went to, a, um, I started working in restaurants when I was like 15 years old, man, just because, you know, I just wanted to hang out with adults and do adult things, man. So I, um, you know, started washing dishes. And like the nicest restaurant in my hometown of Greenville, South Carolina. A dog's about to hop on the couch here behind me, man. That's Leroy. What's up, Leroy? He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna cuddle down with you. What's up, buddy? Oh, what a beautiful dog. Thanks, man. Uh, uh, German short hair pointer. Uh, I know. Watching- I'm a big dog guy. I I just watched the. Uh, I was I was about to say German short hair pointer, and then I was I thought all of the 
all of my rescue fans are going to be like, oh, so how how into breeds are you, Bert? We have two bull mastiffs. So I'm we like, got, yeah, we we had, we had two rescue dogs, and 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 I, I, he's uh he's four years old. He was it was just a dream breed. I, oh, I had I had a dog that passed away, and so I just want to give something that was kind of special. And he, he's a he's a great boy, man. It's, his name is Bad Bad Leroy Brown. What a good looking dog is he? How's his temperament? Is he like calm and relaxed? Starting to mellow out now, man. He was he was a fucking rough puppy, dude. Dude, our a, puppy is a nightmare. Tearing the house apart. It was crazy, man. <sighs> but uh, but so I, I started you know I started washing dishes and and my you know, the nicest restaurant in my hometown of Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, you know I went from washing dishes to like being a prep cook to like helping out in the butcher station, learning how to make sauces, and then and then kind of cooking on the line. And, and I just knew right there at the age of 15 that that's exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I knew who I was at a really early age. And, and I, I think that kind of self-awareness is important to, to start your career as early as you possibly can. You know, I, I think the idea of people going to college and then figuring out what to do with their life when they get out of college, you've wasted about six, seven years, man, that you could be doing something really important. So instead of going to like, college just so you could study political science or liberal arts education. I think sometimes getting a good technical background. I went to technical school. I went to culinary school. I learned to trade, right? So I learned how to cook and I learned how to cook in real life, but I learned how to make it. I learned how, I learned the reasons why in culinary school. By the way, you did this in 1989, I'm guessing 1990. Yeah. 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 1989. And then, well, I started culinary school in 90, 1990. Uh, and then, uh, and then I stuck around for two more years. I got a business degree. This is way before, this is way before, and this is what I think is cool. This is like, this is way before being a chef was cool. You just did it. Way. Like, that's what, that's what's so cool about it. It's yeah. like, it's like, remember when we all found the uh, dudes that built choppers and we were like, wow, can you imagine? And then all of a sudden everyone's building choppers. You're like, I, I don't want to see you build choppers. I want the guys that chose to do it when we thought they were losers. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's just in their blood, man. You know? Yeah. And so I started cooking when food came from a hole in the wall and nobody ever knew, you know, what the chef's name or really cared, honestly, because it didn't matter. It was about the maitre d' and, you know, getting the right table and whoever, whoever was in the kitchen was just like named Francois somebody and, and nobody, nobody really, really cared until, until about 1990. And, and so when I was paying attention to it, all these chefs that were starting to pop up regionally around America as Wolfgang Puck in LA and as Emerald in New Orleans. And uh, it was Jasper White in Boston, and it was Dean Farron in Dallas, and it was Charlie Trotter in Chicago, and uh, and all these chefs are popping up regionally, and they started producing what is now defined as regional American cooking because it's so different, it's so vast, and it's so interesting because everybody, you know, if you look in your own backyard, there's like pockets of inspiration that you can't get anywhere else in the world. Like food in New England, way different than food in Texas, and food in Texas, way different in L.A., even in L.A. and San Francisco, where I live, right? I mean, so... Just two completely different food styles, but but it's all just sort of like rich and interesting at the same time. So so I I did that and then I went to culinary school. I got a bachelor's degree in hotel restaurant management because I I think it's important to be able to saute a nice scallop, but then to know how to make a business out of it to not crash in a restaurant. That yeah. felt important to me. Uh, and uh, Johnson and Wales University gave me an, an honorary doctorate in 2005. So that's fucking Doctor Tyler to you. Um, <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> and and then so and then after that I moved to New York City, man. I moved to New York City with two thousand dollars in my pocket. That was it. I had I had uh, uh, my first month's rent, my last month's rent, and about a week's worth of cash. And I didn't have a job, but I knew that you know if if you took yourself seriously as a chef in America, then 
you kind of went to two places, right? You either went to New York or you went to Paris. And I had the money to go to New York, right? And I started working with Charlie Palmer at Oriel, which was like the biggest restaurant in the world at the time, biggest culinary name in America, hands down. Charlie Palmer? Charlie Palmer, yep, exactly. Is that right? the same and, guy that I'm, I'm assuming that owns, Char that has Charlie Palmer's in, in D.C.? Yep, Charlie Palmer Steakhouse, exactly. Same oh guy. Oh, God. Same guy, yeah. So I, I worked with him back when he had one restaurant, right, and used to work the line every night. And so he was my mentor growing up. So I worked for a, a bunch, with a bunch of other chefs, but he was he was a big one. That was my first big city, badass cooking experience. And everything else that I grew up with, like growing up in the South where all the food is just brown and good, you know, it's like chicken fried steak and black pepper fried chicken and yeah. collard greens cooking down with a ham hock and, you know, and ambrosia and coconut cake and Coca-Cola out of the bottle and, you know, and, and like pork rinds and black eyed peas. And like, that's the food, that's the delicious American cooking that I grew up with. But then you kind of take that sensibility and you go to New York City and then, it, then it's everything is refined. It tastes great. But then it's refined to a level where it's just pure art. And so I, I worked with Charlie for a couple of years and I worked at River Cafe and in Brooklyn for a while. And then uh, and then I, 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 I took this big leap because I, um, I was married and was expecting my first child at the age of 25. And I had to start making some real money. So I, I, I did this like fake it till you make it move where I applied for an executive chef's position, probably a little too early, but fuck it. You know, I just did it. And I got the job and uh, I, I was uh, 25 years old. And I was the executive chef of a restaurant, Italian restaurant uh, called Chibo. It's on 42nd uh, Avenue, 42nd Street. And it's still there, which I'm, I'm yeah. really proud of. We're on the cusp of Tudor City in, in New York City. And, uh, and we, we were blowing up and we were getting like really great accolades in all the newspapers. And then one night, um, one of the executives from Food Network happened to be in the dining room. And I was walking around like a stud with my you know, crisp chef's coat on. Walk at the table, shaking hands. Hey, I'm Tyler Florence. How was dinner tonight? Do you really enjoy that? Da da da. And she handed me her business card and said, "You know, I'm one of the programming directors with this new cooking channel thing called Food Network." And I was trying not to drool in front of her. And uh, and I, I took the gig and and you know I did one appearance and that was it. I I, I, I did one appearance on Food Network in 1996. What was that? Um, what was that? It was called In Food Today, and it was like this live news show they would do every night at six o'clock with um with uh, uh, um, Donna Hanover, which was Giuliani's ex-wife, and David Rosengarten. I don't know if these old names sound Hold familiar. Hold on, I David Rosengarten. Yeah, yeah, so, David so, Rosengarten. Yeah, so Donna and David used to host a show called In Food Today. And, uh, and, I, I, and at the end of the show, because they would just do like the world of food news live, and at the end of it, they would have this kind of guest chef appearance. So I did one, and I mumbled and stuttered and sweated my way through four and a half minutes. It was a fucking disaster. But one of the executives walked out and said, that was great. Can you come back next week? And so, you know, between 1996 and 1999, I was logging in like, you know, uh, an appearance a week. They were obviously trying to build up my FaceTime on the network. And then in 1999, um, I was like Food Network's best friend for three years, right? And then 1999, they decided to make it official. They offered me a contract. I got my first job um, uh, hosting a show called Food 911. Right, where we would travel around the country and help people out with their everyday food emergencies. And this is a guy who grew up with like really great Southern home cooking and working in restaurants in the South and then had this level of refinement and polish kind of working in restaurants in New York. And then I could take that whole thing and repackage it with just pure technique, hanging out with everyday folks in their own kitchen and showing them how to fix their tuna noodle casserole and how to make better guacamole and how to like perfectly sear a pork chop and how to, you know, how to, how to, uh, you know, 
poach an egg, you know, all these different things. We kind of break it. I was the first chef on the Food Network to not wear a chef's coat, which I'm very proud of, right? Yeah, I, re- I, re- I, I remember that show so vividly. I because that's right when I moved to New York. I want to say we, I want to say me and my buddy Weicho watched you poach an egg on yeah. on on Food Nine One One, and then one night. We're walking back from bars in New York. No, we used to live above Poe uh, on yeah, Cornelia Street. Yep. Right. 29 Cornelia Street, right above Poe and Cornelia Street Cafe. And so my buddy Weecho's like, hey, man, we can poach eggs. Like, we know how to poach eggs. Let's poach a dozen eggs. Yeah. <laughs> we got fucking wasted. And based off of your, your show and our recollection, we yeah. posed a dozen eggs and we were shirtless and drunk and it was fun. And by the way, I still use that method to poach an egg. Fuck yeah, man. And, you know, and, and that's what I love about it. Like these moments where it's like, you know, that we have this superpower, if you want to call it that, right? We just know how to cook. And, and honestly, I'm a, I'm a one trick pony, man. This is all I know how to do. Like you take me out of the kitchen, I can barely pump gas in the real world, man. But like, but this is my thing, you know, and I've been rocking it for a long time. And, and I, and I, I love it. And I love that moment where you just said, you know, like, like, because what you did on television, we did it. And now I've got a little, little piece of that too. And, and I can make my, cause is there, honestly, you know, there, you could probably say it's a top five list of the most incredible things on planet uh, to be alive with, but to know how to cook has got to be one of them. You know what I mean? Oh, it's got to be one of them. It's got to be up there. It's like, I just, I love to cook because I, I, I love the taste of food. Like to me, like nothing like very few things like are as exciting as that. When you taste something, it's like, oh my God, that's crazy. And to know how to make that even better, right? To, be, to possess the ability to take something that's like average and then just season it to the point where it's like, I've never tasted food like that before. That's just my gift, man. And and so, you know, you get a chance to hang out with people and again, just like travel and write cookbooks and go to food festivals and and be a part of the big food network culture, man. Like, 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 like I said, there was what, five or six of us kind of who started the network. In a lot yeah. of ways, and um, and a lot of those people have come and gone. A lot of them have, and now it's like a whole new generation of people. But, but it's, you know, it's, only- it bums me out a tad bit. Uh, it bums me out. It's cool to see the the lifers, the guys who you know. It, it speaks volumes about your 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 humility and your personality if you can stay at a network that long, because it means that you're not your ego's not getting in the way. You're a good person to work with. There's a lot of reasons people stay at a network. And number one is people like them. That's it. That's yeah. number one. And and I think that's a good lesson. If you ever get the opportunity to go to the big show, right? Like if you ever get your opportunity to have a Netflix special, right? Or if you get your opportunity to have a, a, a series on something, don't act like an asshole, right? Because mm. as soon as you get it, the whole thing can just go away. And I've seen it happen to so many people before. So the second you lose that gratefulness of, of all of it. And it doesn't matter how great a relationship you have or how much money you're making an episode or it can all just boosh, go away, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I saw I, it happen I, on Travel Channel. Guys would yeah. come in and you'd, I mean, I could name exact names and they'd come in and they'd be just difficult. All they get was one, one week of good ratings and all of a sudden they were unbearable. And you unbearable. were like, and, you, and I remember being like, hey, I remember someone saying to me at an upfront, um man what's the key how come like like what's the, what's the th- secret and i was like hey man i am probably the lowest rated show on the network and i'm still here so yeah and i was like there's a reason i'm just not a dick i'm a fun guy whatever they ask of me i always say yes i never question yeah. them 
I'm yep. a company guy. I, yep. I'm very appreciative for the job. It's a fun fucking job. And it, it, and it, and it was, it was amazing, but there's, it speaks more. It speaks more about who you are as a man or a woman. When you you have a job at a network like that for a while, it's a gift. You know, it, it, it's, it's a gift. It, it's a gift to be on television. It's a gift to be in show business, man. It's a gift. Right. And yeah. so, so the, so, so um, when I'm out in public and people walk up to me, I never disrespect that, that intersection. Right. Yeah. Like when somebody walks up to me and goes, Oh my God, Hey man, can I get a picture with you? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Of course you can, man. Of course, because I've been on television in their house for years and they have a relationship with me that I know nothing about. And I'm not going to blow that, that moment with them because I'm busy or I'm running late for my flight or I don't have time or whatever it is, or I'm with my kids. I mean, like, like some people just, they're kind of blind to the situation. They'll walk up and they'll start freaking out a little bit. And then with my family, and <laughs> my, my 11 year old daughter will take the, hold the camera and take the picture. My wife will take the picture. I, I, and so, you know, it's just, it's just part of the whole thing, but it, it's, a, it's been an amazing relationship. Um, it, it's been a, you know, it's been a singular experience. It's only about, you know, probably, 20 or 25 people in America who've done what we've done, you know, and to be on that network as long as we have. And, uh, and, and, and it's a blessing, but like, think about it. It's like, we, we never take our, our recipes for granted. Right. We never take, cause like, I, I never, I try my hardest not to repeat myself or, you know, like talk about some crazy recipe we did 10 years ago. We're always reinventing it. We'll always come up with new content. We're always, you know, recipe writing. And, and trying to kind of keep the storyline flowing. Because I've seen a lot of chefs fall apart like that way too, just because like their food never evolves, right? It's, oh, like, yeah. it's like, wow, you're still oh, doing don't that. don't get me started. The number one thing in comedy, the number one thing, the number one rule, in my opinion, if you're a comic, you got to challenge yourself on your next special. By the way, I'm not a genius. Bill Burr told me that. He was like, yeah, man, if you're not challenging yourself, you're not growing. And he was, and then he very simply was like, remember when you were an open micer and you got the couple jokes that works and you're like, all right, here we go. He's like, do you still do them? And I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah, because you grew. He's like, you should definitely grow when you're also really good too. When you're Burr's really good. good for us. Yeah, because I like, I honestly, I'm, I'm sure like you, man, because like I, I gotta tell you, hey, big boy is a fucking great special, man. Oh, thank it you. It is thank super you. duper funny. And and so like now, and I, I feel like you know, 24 years deep on the Food Network, we're launching a new restaurant in San Francisco this fall. It's gonna be a Steakhouse with the Golden State Warriors. Um, uh, it's called Miller and Lux. We're doing that one. We've got Wayfair Tavern, our flagship restaurant here in San Francisco. I got a, I got a chicken shop at the airport and we're doing a lot of like fun expansion in the restaurant business. And, uh, and we're, I, I just, I launched, uh, just launched two new YouTube channels. Um, one's called Wolf It Down and one's called Wolf It Down ITK, which means in the kitchen. So we're producing a bunch of amazing content for a younger audience who don't really know a lot about Food Network or don't really watch that. So yeah. we're kind of paying attention to that Food Network thing. Uh, we just launched a newsletter. We just launched a new website called Wolf It Down. So we're, we're constantly evolving and cranking out new stuff. And this is how you have to stay relevant, right? So it's, it's easy to blow up. It's hard to stay there. It's hard to stay there with longevity, right? Yeah. So you constantly, like whatever you did last year, crumbled up, throw in the garbage can and do something new to give people something to sink their teeth into. So you're not average or boring or quiet or, or, or just dull. Right. So, yeah. so what, what, um, when I was in culinary school, um, uh, my instructor in the sauces and skills class, this is culinary school day one, by the way. Right. He, uh, so everybody, everybody kind of walked in and, you know, I had your nerdy little chef's coat on and the hat and everything. Right. And he picks up the knife on my board and he feels it. And he looks me in the eye and he rolls his eyes and he says, dull knife, 
dull chef. And he put the knife down and walked away. And I was humiliated, but that was the point of it, right? If, you, if, you're, if your knife is dull, if your comedy is dull, if your food is dull, you're dull, right? So if that's your message out there to the world, right? If that's your thing, you're out there like pumping you as a brand. You owe it to yourself to stay commercially competitive. You owe it to yourself to like to be on the cutting edge of what's happening and to know if you're not, right? And that's the thing about that's what always kind of kept us relevant. My knife is never fucking dull. Never. Dull knife, dull chef might be my new. I've been, I've been, I've been collecting quotes lately. Uh, Gabby Reese, uh, the uh, volleyball player, professional volleyball player, television host, athlete, married to Laird Hamilton. She said the other day, um, take up space. She's like, that's when I learned I needed to take up space. She's like, I'm six foot three. And here I was trying to be cower and not get noticed. Then I realized, you know what? I'm going to take up some space. That fucking line for me was like, how many times have you been there? Even when it comes to listening and you just don't listen, you just make sure you don't fuck up. You will take up space and let yourself be the fuck up and then and, and be yourself and take up space. People recognize you. But dull knife, dull chef is like, is like, that's, I mean, you could say that dull, dull, <laughs> dull knife. It's just, it's, it's really, a, it's a, I love statements like that where you don't mean, you don't, you, you, you take more from it than maybe they meant, but you go, oh, that's how I'm, there we go. I got, I'm hanging my hat on something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's like, if, if you're, if your knife is dull, what else are you going to let slip? Right. Like if you're, yeah. if your comedy is, 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 is dull, if your microphone is dull, like what else are you going to let slip, man? So like having that ability, that self-awareness, which is always just super important for people that have the, the opportunity to, to just step into the limelight and some sort of notoriety. Right? That, that self-awareness is so incredibly important to know if, if, you're, if you're maintaining something that's always kind of cutting edge, always on the forefront of what's happening. And so, yeah, so it's been, it's been a wild ride, man. It's, it's, been, it's been amazing. Um, I love it. I love it more than ever. And, uh, and we're, we're super happy right now. What's the, scare, what's the scariest you've ever been on the journey of, because like, once again, you guys were kind of like explorers in how to monetize being a chef meaning like just more than open restaurants. What was the scariest you ever were, whether it was, you know, opening a restaurant, investing your own money, or, you know, starting a book, doing a press tour, having a new show, uh, walking away from a show, walking, taking a break from food, like from Ch Food Channel, like what was the uh, Food Network? What was the, uh, what's the scariest you've ever been as an adult? Well, I've, I've had a couple of moments in my, in my adult life that, that really like set me back a little bit, right? So I remember, uh, when I was 27 years old and, uh, and I, I had hit a wall, like, like working in restaurants professionally, because like, you know, from 15 to 27, like that was my life, man. It was a hundred hours a week in the kitchen and, and you either had Thanksgiving or Christmas off, but you never had both. You never had a New Year's Eve off and you never really had weekends off. You had like Monday, Tuesday off. And you always kind of worked in this like opposite. I was like, it was like opposite world for me. Right. And yeah. so I'd, I'd kind of hit this wall because I, I was dating a girl in New York City who kind of worked in the fashion industry and she went out on weekends and like, and like my job was starting to kind of become a problem. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I just, and, and I was starting to realize that I didn't exist in, in the, the normal world that existed in the, in the restaurant world. So when the Food Network thing popped up, I, I kind of like jumped in, leapt in blindly with both feet because I was just sick of it. I was just like, I just can't. I just can't do this anymore, man. It's just like, like having, you know, like you almost have a heart attack until you count all the heads that kind of walk in, in the kitchen, you know, and you know, somebody's not going to, somebody's going to be a no show. 
Sean is a fucking no show, right? And then you go, okay, okay, now I'm working salads. You're doing expo. You're doing this, and you just kind of try to get through and like. But I, I remember the first time I walked into like the set of a television show, and and these are people who are just, you know, freelancers, right? Video guys, makeup artists, executive producers, grips, you know, lighting experts, everybody. I'm like, like, do you work here full time? I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm just freelance. I'm just doing this for a couple of days. But then the the symbiotic relationship how they all kind of came together with level professionalism was like that's kind of fucking amazing. And I kind of fell in love with with the team of of working in television. So so that that moment when I was kind of in limbo burnt out working in restaurants and not really having a food network contract yet. It was, it was just kind of dark. And, and I, I'd, I'd gone through a, a divorce at the time too. And I had a very, very young baby. And, and so I was living in Brooklyn at the time I was, I was on eighth street, eighth street between seventh and eighth and park slope. And, uh, and, and she, she left and went back to South Carolina and she took everything, all of our stuff. And we didn't have a lot of stuff anyway. So I was 27. I uh, was making about $52,000 a year living in New York city, which is hard even back then. And, uh, and, and she took, she took our, our child, um, who's, who's now, now, you know, 23 years old, by the way, and a, the most lovely human being, he lives here in California with us, but she took our child and she took all of our stuff and she moved back to South Carolina when I wasn't even home. Right. And I, so I, I came back from the restaurant and the apartment was cleaned out and I didn't fucking, I didn't have anything. I, I, I had a pile of coat hangers on the, on, on the, on the floor. Right. And that was and, and that was after, you know, because um, I moved to New York City when I was 21. So that was after about six years of just hustling hard, you know, and and uh, and just trying to be the man. And all of a sudden I, I feel like I, that, those were some pretty dark days. Uh, but then but then you always kind of pull out of it. Right. You always kind of pull out of it. And I, and I always think to myself, like the 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 um, the the real challenging moments in my life is when I have bounced back the best. Right. With with the best work and the best ideas. And, and that moment where you like your backbone makes you who you are as a person. God. And then now like 2020 in the middle of this pandemic with my restaurant crashing food network, you know, postpones a couple of seasons of stuff and big, and you just have to quiet your heartbeat. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be okay. You're going to get through all this stuff because I think adversity, it's like, it's friction that polishes you. Right. So it's the adversity that you go through in your life that gives you the stamina to go through it again because you're going to go through it again, right? There's things that happen to you that are from your own design, which you kind of learn from in life. And there's things that happen to you that you have no control over. And the best thing you can do is just kind of learn from those and, and start developing survival skills, right? And start developing. And so it happened again in 2008, man, and the, uh, the, the economic downturn. Um, I remember one of the executives of Food Network walking in right when we wrapped up. Tyler's ultimate. And they said they're canceling three contracts. And, and I didn't, and that was before we were, cause I, I would, I just did television for fucking 10 years, man. I did television and cookbooks. Right. And so, and, and I kind of built up this sort of house of cards in a way where I was assuming that food network would always be there. Uh-huh. And, and, and cause the money was good. The money was big, man. Yeah. I went from making 50, 52,000 bucks a year to make a shit ton of money working on television. And so all of a sudden I was like, yeah, whatever, man. It's like, let's get a new Rolex and let's go get a Range Rover and let's get a new house. And let's go. And all of a sudden food network says, yeah, we're, we're going to pause for a little bit because it was out of my control because all of their advertising money was starting to wrap up too, because it was just, it was just the world. And, and, and I'm like, Whoa, Oof. we burned, burned through all of our savings and about, um, about three months. 
um, fired all of my employees, um, burned through all of our, our, we had to liquidate all of our stock and went down to what felt like close to bankruptcy, man, you know, and because we didn't really have a backup plan. We didn't really have anything that felt like, you know, if this happens, I get this. And if that happens, I got that. Mm-hmm. And, and I said to myself, if, when we get out of this, and I know we will, this will never happen to me again, right? So we started kind of developing these like tiers of revenue between restaurants and books and media and public appearances and different things that we always feel like we have a pipeline of cash. It's always kind of coming in. So, and, and being in business for yourself as you are, right? There's things that all, there, something's always about to sunset, right? You're always kind of in the middle of something that the contract is about to sunset, right? So um, I am overly aggressive about keeping new ideas in the pipeline that that may not mature for a year or so, but I know I'm working on this shit because like that thing that we're doing today won't be there forever, man. It just won't. So you have to constantly replace yourself, replace your ideas, replace your business models over and over and over again. And that's how you stay on top. And sometimes you'll knock it out of the park with a big one. And some years you're stacking up little stuff, right? And it's okay, right? So some some years you're going after whales, and some years you're scooping up minnows with a net, right? But as long as you got a plate of food, bro, as long as you got a plate of food and you're doing what you love, that's all that matters. It's so funny, man. I got, you know, how you must have felt in 2008. I think I started working for travel in two, I, I, when I was 37. I'm 47 now, so 10 years ago. So, yeah, 2009, I guess. Um, and Bert the Conqueror, can I tell you, my kids fucking love that show. Oh, thanks. It's so funny. Uh, my kids just watched an episode. My kids never really saw it. They just never, it, they were too young. And so we when, watched, when was When was the first time your kids realized you were famous? Uh, uh, I, have a, I have an interesting, an interesting <laughs> the first time I ever got recognized in front of my kids was at uh, Magic Johnson's Fridays, right by the airport. And, and, uh-huh. and, it, was, and it was Sunday. I'd flown in on a Sunday. And we were, it was a morning and we decided to go to Magic Johnson's Fridays and have lunch. And I walked in, Birth Conqueror had just started airing and a bunch of black dudes were in the bar getting ready to watch football. And one of them saw me and was like, I'm with the, the, the girls, the girls are young at the time. And I hear him just go, oh shit, it's that Birth <laughs> the Conqueror motherfucker. And they <laughs> lose their minds and they come out and they all get pictures with me and, yeah. and, Half the guys didn't even know who I was. They just knew that he recognized me, but he was a fan of the show. He's like, I love that show. I grew up in Ohio. I used to go to Cedar Point all the time. So then the manager comes up. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, Magic Johnson's, when he owned a business, he uh, African-American employees. It was, a, it was about community, uh, creating revenue in the African-American community. Right. So it was an all-black restaurant. Usually all-black people went there to eat. Very yeah. White people. Starbucks, movie theaters. He was yeah. doing all this stuff. Yep. And so we sit down and then the manager comes over and he's like, I, I'm, I'm not aware of your show, but I'm aware that a few of my, my patrons are love you. And so uh, we want to comp your meal. And I was like, Oh wow. And so I'm, I'm literally like, like, uh, like looking at my wife going, baby, it's happening. Like it's, it's happening. Yeah. So like, look, look at us, check it out. All my daughters realize they don't realize that. <laughs> that I got recognized for television. They just realized that black people love dad, right? So, <laughs> so two days later, we're in the mall. And anytime my da- oldest daughter, Georgia, saw a black person, she'd go, dad, look, 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 get ready, dad. And I was like, baby, can't be pointing at black people going, dad, there's one right there. So oh that was the first time. I don't think 
they um they don't really give a shit much for uh they're very cynical when it comes to anything fame related they're very like they mock me pretty heavily um same way burr burr and burr bill burr is one of my really good friends bill burr and my daughters are identical because for whatever reason and i think it's because i didn't get success until an older age whenever i get uh recognized i i tend to match that person's energy mm-hmm. so if someone's like oh shit it's a machine i'll be like oh what's up dude like i'll match their energy burr told me we were at an xfl game he goes stop matching their fucking energy he goes you're getting more excited than they are right and then right, they right. get and then they try to match your energy now we have two fucking lunatics spinning out of control my so daughters and my daughters yeah. just mock it they'd go they, as soon as I started doing it, they'd do it to each other. Like they were recognizing each other. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Oh, God. And, and so they, my daughters are brutal. 15 and 13 right now. Those, that's a really good age. So I've got a, uh, my oldest son, Miles, who's uh, in the um, cybersecurity industry in uh, South Bay. Yeah. Um, a super talented, incredibly smart guy. And then my wife and I have a 12 um, year old son and 11 year old daughter. So I, I got kids the same age. Good God. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so, to, so the second round, because like Miles, my oldest kind of grew up with the first wave of fame and, uh, and, you know, he was kind of with it at kind of at a different spike. Like it spiked, you know, a bunch of times over the years, but that yeah. first spike, you know, you're talking about like, two, like 2002, 2004, 2006. I when I was Emeril Lagasse's lead in for five years on food network, dude, it was right. like, you know, we, we would do book signings in, like Chicago, for example, and they would book borders two nights in a row on State Street in Chicago, and have 600 fucking people two nights in a row signing books for six, seven hours. And they were going, "Oh my god!" So like, I'm with you with that 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 frenzy thing, right? Because people, when they walk up in that level of enthusiasm, you got to give it to them a little bit. You can't oh, you can't be like you can't yeah. be dismissive. Yeah. But you got to be got to give them to a little bit. But um, but um, but man, like it's the uh, uh, with that level of fame, especially when your kids don't realize it until they do now the second wave the second round of this are little kids right when uh when my daughter is obsessive like googling me <laughs> right and she'll like dad did you see this thing on instagram and somebody said something about you like how dare they i'm like honey let it go who cares oh god okay okay so but uh but she and 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 there's also this other thing which is kind of interesting with her too because she doesn't like for me to over participate and a lot of things that she does, like she's in a competitive dance group, like your like your dance video, yeah, like your hip hop dance video, yeah, yeah, yeah. She does that? She's eleven. She does that competitively, right? Oh, for real? Yeah, no, she's good. She's really, really good. And uh, but she she doesn't like it when I pick her up at dance class. She doesn't like it when I sit with the moms, you know, because like kids walk out and start going, "Oh my God, it's Tyler Florence. Hey, can I get a picture with you?" And then they they'll they'll that will get reflected back to her. And and the same thing happened with my oldest son too, and 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 you might bump into this later in life. Like like I, I know living here in San Francisco, it's like you know Kevin Systrom who started Instagram, Jack Dorsey Twitter. Like these are all friends of mine just because we live in the same city. And um, and, and here in San Francisco, those tech stars are our celebrities, right? So, yeah. so like tech guys and chefs, right? Tech people and chefs, right? And and so um, when my uh, oldest son. Uh, um, really wanted to get into the the industry, the tech industry. I'm like, let me make a phone call for you, man. I'm like, I know Mark Benioff, you know, I, I know, I know Kevin's sister, I know these people. Let me just get you in. And he was like, Dad, don't do it because they'll always look at me as your son versus versus um 
versus who I am as a person, right? And 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 that's why I'm so proud of my oldest son because he got he got a job working with a cybersecurity uh, company in South Bay, and he got the job all completely by himself, and and had to go through some some difficult training to get certification in a couple of different special industries, right? A special specific cybersecurity stuff, and I don't even know what the fuck it is. But uh, but he but he did all this stuff himself. But like but the the fame thing. You know, it's uh, I'm, I can get a reservation in any restaurant in the world. Oh, I, bet. Oh, I would I would abuse that if I was you. I it's would a party abuse. trick. It's a party trick. Like people call me. I was like, hey, can you get me a reservation at Chez Ami Louis in Paris for two of us for tomorrow night? I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. I'm like, fucking watch this shit. I'm like, <laughs> boom, done. Right. What else you got? Right. So like so that's fun. Um, but uh, but the, the, the fame thing is um, it's 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 something I feel like my family it, is graciously patient through. Right. Like they understand that that relationship pays the bills. They get that. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I try to remind them from time to time that that all those people that may seem a little like obsessive, that's those are the people that kind of keep us. You know, this reason we got a pool in the backyard, man, it's reason you go to private school. You know, it's like so like and it's again, it's another thing I someone earlier. Like you never you never disrespect that. Right. As a thing. But can I talk to you about something real fast, too, because I, I, I got to tell you, there's like. Something that your generation of, of comics kind of coming together as like a team of comics in LA specifically, right? Yeah. So so how you guys all stick together and then cross promote each other's stuff is kind of spectacular to watch, right? Because I, you know, I consume a lot of YouTube yeah. um, and uh, even the comedy store. When I go to LA, I always go to the comedy store, even if I go by myself, because kind of like having that, 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 keen sense of improv to me like watching you guys do it makes me a better performer on television sometimes but but how how you guys how you guys stick together and then cross promote each other's stuff podcasts you know pro, promote each other's specials to me that solidarity is kind of really refreshing you know I, I think it wasn't always that way i think it was very competitive for a long time it was always there's only five spots available and who's going to get those five spots yeah. and i think that i came up in that in that generation and i remember that that i i that kind of pushed me into travel because i was travel channel because i was like i was like i i remember i remember right before i got uh, birth conquer i tested for a sitcom and it was like me uh uh fucking chris Catan. it was like the weirdest group of people and i was like this does not seem like my sensibility so I started getting into Travel Channel, and at that time, Rogan and Carlos Mencia had a big falling out. I don't know if you ever yeah. saw that, but it was like <laughs> I've seen it. It was big, yeah. and I think what Rogan was doing was he was standing up for comics. He was saying this. Rogan has always had a, and I and I hate to put this all on Joe. He would definitely go. I don't know what you're talking about. He would definitely say that. But he's always had an affinity and a love for originality, and he gets inspired. What 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 stirs his creativity is seeing greatness, like seeing people perform greatness always to this day, whether it's an ultra athlete or a fucking a scientist or a politician or you name it. If, if you are, if you, if you are great or you do great things, Joe Rogan is fucking fascinated and he is, yeah. and he is inspired. And so when that happened with, with Carlos, I think he was set off to the side, like this outlier where it was like, Hey man, you're not allowed to play in our game anymore. The store's kicked you out. You, you can go to the improv, but your friends aren't there. You can go to the ice house. That's just a spot, but you got to do your own thing. And I think it, it really bothered Joe that he was kind of pushed out of the store. And so 
he looked at it as like, I want to, he, he had wanted to help comics be original. So when he started his podcast, he was very, very, very adamant about putting you on, putting you over. Hey, you need to start a podcast. And I'd be like, well, I do your podcast. He's like, yeah, but do your own. Like you need to do your own. You have your own content. You need to be your own ship. You, he didn't start a podcast network. He just kind of was like, you need to do your own thing. You got it. And he, me, Segura, Joey, Ari, you name the list of goes on of guys. He said, you have to start a podcast. Yeah. And he like, said, as soon as you get your podcast. I, I, and I, dude, I watch them all. Tiger Belly, Fire and the Kid. I, I watch all of them, man. Yeah. And, and how you guys stick together to me, I just think it's fascinating. And I think Joe was the kind of driving force of we are stronger together than we are apart. If we put each other together and put each other over together. If Whitney starts a podcast, we all do her podcast. We bring on our podcast. We get her podcast to be great because she can get guests that we'll never get. David Sedaris, David Spade will go over to her house. Like, and so when her podcast, the bigger her podcast gets, when we have something to promote, we can go, yo, Whitney, my special's coming out. Can I do your podcast? She's like, of course. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think LA leaned into it. We learned that we had more to gain from each other than fighting each other. So when like Dalia, Dalia special's coming out, me, him, and Segura are texting, like, how can we help promote it? Like, what can we do? We'll mention it on our podcast. Do you want to come on our podcast? And and it's so it's been really good. I think, and I think that the people that are not like that, in a weird kind of Lord of the Flies kind of way, we kind of weed them out. And yeah. if we notice that you're selfish and you don't want to play with the group or you want to go off and talk shit about people and 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 be nasty and start rumors or whatever, I think we kind of go, hey man, that's not how the game's played. And I and I, I I don't know why or it is that way, but I'll tell you it's a it's a bizarre time to be a part of comedy, especially in LA, because you know it's like, I mean, you you'd never have the biggest comic in the world, which is Joe, arguably the biggest comic in the world, being like hitting you up and going, hey man, your special is premiering. Dot dot dot. When can I get you on the podcast to promote it? And you're like, huh? I mean, it's just right. crazy. And and to be all to be friends, like. Me and Delia and Tom were texting this morning because I put out this thing about a joke we did together. And my and my mom called. She said, I watched Delia's special. And then I texted Delia, my mom loves your special. The girls want to watch it tonight. They don't believe I know you. And and so it's a really bizarre, but you guys kind of had that too a little bit, right? You, you know, we, we 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 do. And it's gone through a couple of like waves of of camaraderie right i mean when like so the you know south beach food and wine festival aspen la new york city food and wine festival they they used to be these moments where um where we we as a group would get together because often we're just kind of ships in the night and uh, and i i wish we would because i I use the reference of of like the the i don't know what wave of comedy you kind of call this right now but like i grew up in the world of steve martin and Richard Pryor and and all these like, you know, George Carlin and all these guys were just like speaking the truth back in like the seventies and eighties and, 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 you know, Eddie Murphy and like, like, the, like those are the comics that I used to like, just like really just, just like listen to and study and get their albums and listen to over and over and over again. Right. But then like this next wave of, of comedy that's kind of coming out, it's not about you, it's about us. Right. And, and so in, in, and every time I'm in LA and I'm in LA, well, I haven't been in LA in a month, but like I use I'm usually in LA at least once a month or something, right? And every time I drive by, because I usually stay at the Chateau, so I always drive by down Sunset and I and I'll, I'll see the marquee at the comedy store. And I'm like, boom, like like I know all those guys because I watch all your podcasts and stuff. So I feel <laughs> like I know I know everybody on there. It's like, you know, 
It's like, yo, Coco Diaz is like, fuck, he's going to crush tonight. It's going to be great, man. You know, Joey, that would make Joey's fucking day that you just Yeah, yeah tell, tell, tell him I said hi. I, I, don't, I don't know him personally, but I, I just feel like I, I, you know, I've watched him eat like stars of death on, uh, on, <laughs> on the church of what's up, right, whatever it's called. Like, I, I just, I, he's just so funny, man. His story, shows are so funny, dude. Like, so all you guys, man, I'm like, so, like, I, I, I just appreciate, and I, I wish that, because I bring this up a lot, and I have a hard time describing it, but I bring it up a lot. There's a sense of camaraderie that I think we should develop a little more in the culinary world about promoting each other's shit. Because like now it used to be this thing where like I got a restaurant, I got a cookbook. And then if you're lucky enough to get a TV deal, cool. But now if you don't have a, uh, a restaurant, a cookbook, a TV deal and a podcast series, or you're doing something kind of independent in that world, you're really not, you're not maximizing your exposure in a lot of ways. Right. So, so to me, my, I actually said this earlier today, that you never want to like put yourself in a position where you you're waiting to get picked, right? Never. Yeah. So having this moment where it's like you're promoting each other's stuff, and 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 everybody's kind of boats rising with the tide, like you're everybody's making each other famous and popular, right? In a way where if we're all like trying to quietly hustle a deal and go you know go to auditions and go to readings and try to get the sitcom whatever it is and and kind of cutthroat the other guy. It just it, like nobody wins in that world, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like you know this is going to sound silly not to bring this back, but it was like you know I was watching the the uh, great food truck race the other day, and I was like, season twelve, and, by the way, man, we do that for uh, eleven years, man. But it's, it was interesting. They were all in Vegas, and they were all going to different places. And what's funny to me is I thought like uh, like it was like the the one guy went to the to the Vegas sign the 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 LBGTQ truck uh, went to the LBGTQ headquarters, which I thought was a fucking cheat because they guilted people into not buying their stuff. It's like, if they didn't buy their stuff, they felt like they were committing a hate crime. So yeah. like, but it was, uh, but it was really, really interesting. Cause I thought as a comic and the way we operate, I was like, Oh, you guys should all just go. And I know you can't do this, but you guys just all went to the same parking lot. The more food trucks around, the more I go, Oh, they're my options. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and that's what I tell them all the time. Like I, I, I quietly and privately give them advice every episode, right? And then, and yeah. if I say something to one team, I'll make sure that I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to the other team and make sure they get that same little nugget of wisdom. But I, I think you know when the trucks kind of join up together, and and then in that force, it looks like there's a party going on versus yeah. you by yourself in the parking lot looking like a loser, right? Like you're you with three or four trucks, you look like a party. And yeah. I want to, I want to know everybody, and I want to, I want to, I want to party with all of you. I think, and that, and that's the way we kind of look at. Look, I, I've said, I've, I've said, I've said privately, I've said publicly to every scripts, and which I now I think is all discovery now. But every scripts talent that, as long as I was ever there, I said to every single one of them, start a podcast. I said to, I said to, uh, to the president of scripts, I can't remember his name, the guy that lived in Arizona that had the big, big, big house with the garage. I remember showing him my man cave one time and he was like, let me show you mine. And then I saw a car and then he goes, he goes, uh, he goes like this. He goes, how do I zoom out of this thing? And I go, Oh, you pull your, and as I pulled the fingers together, it was a massive space. It oh was God. like, I go, what is that? A bat cave? And he was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. But I said, I said, always, uh, I'm number one. Uh, everyone should have their own podcast there. They, they should have, they should have, uh, eight years ago, started a podcast network, brought in the ad sales teams, from food combined, start their own ad sales. It would be 
a game changer, a game changer because they already have talent and buyers set up to work together. I, my, my thing I used to say is food network would always go up. We have the number one magazine in, in the space when it comes to food, they would always say that at upfront. And I used to tell Greg Regis, I'd go say it. The one time you go, we have the number one lifestyle podcast network in the world. One day that's going to mean something that day's now. And I'm like, and I, every single one of you, I mean, we do something's burning my cooking show. We release an audio podcast. We do something's burning uncut where I just release from the second the mic goes on to the second the mics are off and we release the whole thing and it's more downloaded than my regular podcast. And it's just, yeah. it's, but it's, you know what it is? It's, I mean, I'm just stealing from what you guys did. I love cooking shows. I love hearing people talk about food. I loved it. And I, and, and I love the conversations that food brings in. The conversations are always better. You always end up talking about your family, your culture. You talk about all these great things, or you talk about fucking nothing because you're just having wine. You're and I think it, that's great. Yeah, I, I would love. I want everyone to start a podcast. Well, so we we, we had a podcast, and that's how my brand Wolf It Down got started, right? So we we did because um, it's hard to when we come up with a new brand, we go through this discipline called naming the baby. Yeah, because right? because you, you can't think about what the name of the baby is now, you have to think about how people are going to make fun of them in the third grade in the playground, right? So it has to be a very thoughtful name. When you name a new project or start a new company, it's called naming the baby, right? So we we're trying to find this like witty, like a foodism that felt like, you know, attainable, but quick and simple. So Wolf It Down popped up out of the blue, right? So I copyrighted it. I've got, I own all the domains, the website and everything. I bought that up, right? And then we started up, we started a podcast back in like 2000, God, it must have been 2017 we started mm -hmm. podcast and we did we did 19 of them back to back to back and they got a little expensive to be able to produce so i i think a good piece of advice for everybody is like how do you get over that hump because you can't you can't produce crap right you you can produce something that's unedited but you but you can't produce crap it's got to have some sort of like you know roll in music underlay you have to do re-commercials you have to have some sort of polish to it so to give people that tool that can give them the ability to cross over the dry part where you're just doing it to do it until you get 20,000 downloads a week, 25,000 downloads a week. Cause that's always, that was the thing. Cause it, it's not like we needed the money, but, uh, but it was just, it was starting to burn from other pockets of cash that we had just paying for producers and stuff like that to keep the whole thing going. So how you guys kind of like jump into the podcast world and immediately have sponsors all kind of lined up and immediately have all these kind of things. Is that part of the network too? That's well, that what that is, is that is like you said, it's that camaraderie. So at one point when I was on travel, I've said this story a million times to my fans, but uh, Rogan and Burr were backstage at the store and I got off stage and they said, I said, it felt like they were talking about me. And I said, what's going on? And they said, your show sucks. <laughs> I go, really? And they're like, man, it was trip flip. Yeah, it was trip flip. And they were like, it's not you. It's not who you are. You're not that guy. You're not a TV host. You're a comic and you're a podcaster. Like, and Burr goes, what's your nut? And I was like, what? And he goes, what's your nut? I told him and he was like, okay, all right. He's like, well, we'll get you sponsors. We'll get you an ad sales rep. We'll get you, we'll figure it out, but just get back on stage. Just get away from travel channel. And then luckily, uh, I think her name was Courtney white fired me and same thing that happened to you. We don't, we're done. It was a pleasure. I never actually worked with her. It was the greatest. I name her because I'm so grateful that she did it. She yeah, I'm right. so grateful. Yeah. It was, the, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I didn't see it at the time. I was like you said, I was panicked. I was lost. I was like, what am I going to do? It was the lowest part of my life. I was just like, 
but I, my friends stepped up and they were like, we need to get your podcast to 50,000 downloads at the time. That was the threshold. We got to get you 50,000 downloads an episode. A week. A week. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. For per episode. Yeah. And so they all jumped on my podcast. They're all the big names in comedy just started getting on my podcast and they were like, come See, on. Let's I, boost. That, that, that to me is, is that kind of camaraderie. I, I wish other like sectors would do that. Right. Because like, yeah. it's just, um, it's, uh, you know, that teamwork, right? We're all going to get through this together. And collectively, you've you've reinvented comedy. You know what I mean? Like you've, re you've reinvented comedy for a whole new generation of people, introducing all new characters and new favorites. And like, like Chris D'Elia's podcast, like that's, that's so, you know, that, that's so interesting because he doesn't really have, he just fucking riffs off the top of his head yeah. for an hour and a half about fucking nothing. But it's so funny to watch him just sort of like do it, right? And everybody's podcast is just a little Tiger Belly. That's like that's mm -hmm. like a Tiger Belly is the best podcast to do. It's like, but it's like an, it's ADD fucking ping back and forth thing. And that is the funnest fun. fucking podcast to do in the universe. I bet, I bet it is. Man. Well, dude, when you come down, when next time you when when this shit gets over, and yeah. you've got your restaurants and your restaurants opening with the with the Warriors, dude, make a trip down to LA. I'll put you on everyone's podcast. You'll do a podcast run. It's great press. Yeah. Hey, look, the people that listen to podcasts, they love good booze, they love good shows, and they love good food. They're I'll cook, really we'll some wine. We'll, we'll do a whole thing. It'll be fun, man. It'll be fun. It'll be a blast, and I'll get you on Tiger Belly. Like, it'll be – we'll do a podcast run together where we just go and – you got to do Joey Diaz's. Either fucking Star of Death and do Joey Diaz's. <laughs> oh, my God. Bring it like bring us some pasta, man. Like I think the pasta of our shirts, man. Be fucking I right. wish I could get you guys. Yeah. I know food's very like pro proprietary about who gets on cooking shows, but I wish I could bring you guys on something's burning. I would love to have no, you. Yeah, dude, I have a very old school contracted, so I, I'm I'm clear to do anything I want to do. You know what I mean? Like food, like I work with Food Network, and I've like like I can't uh, like, I can't remember the exact terms of what I can't do with somebody else, but all this stuff is clear. Yeah, well, I mean, I it's I could I I got to get you out of here. I know you have more, a busy day. But man, I could talk to you for hours. I haven't even scratched the surface. So if you want to do another one of these while we're in quarantine, if you got a free day, I would love yeah, to keep talking to you. Fuck yeah, dude, let's do it. I, you know, I have a I, list I, of I questions I never even got to. Well, you know, and and honestly, like I, I I could talk to you and talk to all of your 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 colleagues, you know, and and like this space right now because I'm such a fan of comedy, right? I mean, I'm yeah. such a fan. Like for years. Like I would, I, if I were, if I was in LA shooting, I would go to the comedy store by myself and just watch comics for fucking hours. I mean, I, I like Whitney Cummings. I saw her like fucking 15 years ago. You know, it's like, just like <laughs> just doing like doing her thing. And, and so to me, like, I like seeing all of you guys be so wildly successful and collectively as a group rise to the top of the genre in a way, but no one's real standing out. Everybody's collectively as a group. And with no ego, and I did love the way you guys bust each other's balls on 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 podcasts and stuff like that. It's just like, and the fighter and the kid is that fun or what? Oh, fuck yes, that's brutal. I can, Brian I can Callen just... is like human Prozac, man. He makes me giggle hard as fuck. And Brendan Schaub is like a huge baby. Brendan Schaub is straight up athlete. Like you forget what a fucking athlete he is. He's in he's like six four. Is he? Oh, he's, huge, right? he's a beast. He is yeah. a beast. He did a hot spin with me one time and you forget, <laughs> oh, he was also a professional athlete. Like yeah. he just, his, his go mode is different than the average human's go mode. And he's also like, like a man. So he's like, he didn't bring any water. So he just grabs your water bottle, takes a sip, puts it back stuff wow. that like polite society ignore, like doesn't do, 
Brendan Schaub is right there. He's like a big thumb. Yeah, and and Brian Callen. I mean, just like listen to everybody sort of like Buster Balls as friends. Bro, uh, I got it. I, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna do a press run for you of podcasts with all our all all my buddies and all the ones you love because you and Brian Callen need to go out to dinner together. He like he he's Brian. Yeah, he's, he's a, a big foodie. Big foodie, like yeah. legit big foodie, like. I mean, he was probably the last person in restaurants when coronavirus was hitting. He was like, no, 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 one more meal. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I know we, we, during like the Joe Rogan podcast, he's always late he's got wine and cheese. Oh, yeah. He's a legit yeah. foodie and one of the sweetest, funniest guys in the fucking world. Like, so funny. A so funny. Blast. Well, dude, I'm going to let you well, get out of here. Well, I, thanks, I, man. I, I, I'm a, I've been a fan for probably 20, 20 years. It is so great to talk to you. Uh, I've, 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 I feel like, I've, I feel like we're family because we were under the same umbrella for such a long time. Yep. And I feel like we've had similar paths in lives in that, you know, when you talked about, you know, 2008 and they're pulling back contracts, I was there and I, that, that backbone thing. And this is, if we can put a, a stamp on this of, of like a motif, that backbone thing is what everyone's going through right now is like, this is the, this strong, you, you're only strongest at your broken parts and you got to let them try to break you. And and yeah. and that we're all going through that right now, and and some people to much more extent than say myself or maybe you or maybe or maybe Callan or maybe Brendan Shaw or maybe Rogan. Maybe it's t a lot tougher for a lot of people. I think that's the clear part. But but it's everyone's going to look back and go, oh okay, I got through it. I got I got through it, and and I, I think that's the message for everybody right now. You're 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 going to get you're going to get through it. You got it. Most important thing: stay healthy, right? Yeah, and yeah. uh and and be really really kind to everybody because you know i have no idea what somebody else's day is like but no this will this will pass like we'll, we'll be okay but we, for us doing stuff like this right i mean we're like we're not gonna we're not gonna let the flame go out on anything man no. never bro never like no. I, I i so as much as you love us on food network i gotta tell you i love you guys back because like you crack me up every fucking day you know what i mean i love i love paying attention to the podcast uh, i i marvel at the solidarity of all you guys kind of hang together the thicker thin and, and, uh, and, and, and especially now I have like burned through all of like the new stand-up comedy specials on Netflix because I'm sick of bad news. I don't watch fucking bad news, but I've been watching comedy Beautiful. specials over and over again. And I, I gotta tell you, like you, you, you are the top of your game. You're fucking funny. Like, and, and I gotta tell you, and as everybody else is telling jokes, you're a storyteller. And I, I think in, in this really kind of like Mark Twain kind of way, like you've got this ability to hold people's attention by telling a story that really happened to you. And it's very authentic and it's fucking real and it's hysterical. Brother, nothing but respect and love. Thank you so much. Let's get through this, get you down to LA. Oh, look at that beautiful Jeremy Shorthaired pointer. I bet Leroy Brown, man. We're just chilling up here in California, you know, just like cooking, hanging out, loving life. And, and uh, what are you guys eating for dinner tonight? Um, what are we gonna eat tonight? You know, I haven't thought about it, man. We got some stuff in the kitchen. Um, um, uh, New York strip. I got some New York strips that came in. I've got so the, that like this is the fun thing about being a chef in quarantine. Like people send you shit. Like so, working with our, our uh, my meat distributor, Cream Co. out of Oakland. I just got a big box of like some dope steaks, man. I so I'm cooking New York strip, bro. It's the best part about being a podcast host is I got Omaha steaks, I got Butcher Box, I got Blue Apron. I got everything in there. I'm like, I'm I love my sponsors. <laughs> I love them. Well, good for you, man. Good for you. All right, man. Stay listen, safe. All, all, all the best. All the best. It was a Thank blast. Thank you so brother. much for doing this, Tyler. I'm so glad we did it, man. Me too. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. I right, talk to you soon.
This episode was brought to you by The Machine.